Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralizing the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to the Nutramedical Report. It is Friday. It is the uh, 10th of November. And I'm going to basically be celebrating Veterans Day today, day early. Uh, we have to think of not only your veterans, but also if we have a position of strength, both militarily and economically. And the best way is if we are making deals with Russia and China and the Asian nations, and we're in bed in a sense financially and militarily, we're, we don't have to use our military resources because we're in business. Uh, this is a thing people don't understand that the Part of the reason why there wasn't an Asia invasion over thousands of years is because we had the Silk Trail, the, the Silk Road, basically bringing business and trade to Europe and Eastern Europe from uh, uh, from Asia. My great grandfather actually uh, in, was a Syrian, <coughs> and he actually owned the largest caravan going from Damascus, Syria, to China twice a year. My great great grandmother, she actually walked beside the uh, the animals carrying the. The, the supplies and gemstones and other things that they wanted in China and bringing back silk. I mean, these are reality. This is in the 21st century, uh, the idea of this trade deals that's being made to make reciprocal trade with these countries and open it up to our goods, cars, automobiles, and our agricultural goods, which, by the way, we have to clean up so we don't send them GMO and toxic material like glyphosate. I think it's going to be good. And uh, I'm surprised and shocked, but uh, we'll get into it later of why uh, we don't have a lot more talk about uh, Putin meeting with Trump, but, uh, but Harley's going to clarify that in terms of the optics. Harley, what do you think of the Asia tour? What's going on? Good and bad. Well, the first thing is uh, the China side was very good. The relationship between President Trump and President Xi Jinping is very strong, and it's based on the fact that the two men uh, are more practical than ideological. Exactly. By that, I mean their interest, their first interest, is for improving the conditions of their country. And secondly, recognizing that in doing that, it's important to have fair and honest relations with other nations. And so this is what President Trump laid out in Vietnam today at the APEC summit as his trade policy where he said, we want to have fair trade, we want trade that benefits our country, 
I know you want trade that benefits your country. We have to work it out so that we both get benefits from it. That's what Xi Jinping has been saying since 2013-14 when he put together this new Silk Road strategy as a global policy for China, what he calls win-win. And the fact that he and Trump had extensive discussions on this, uh, that they signed a number of deals. The first deal was this $9 billion deal that the press is talking about, which is already underway, and it's hard good trade. It's $2 billion on, on agricultural products, $7 billion more on mostly uh, machinery and, and equipment. But they <coughs> signed memos of understanding on $252 billion of additional deals. Now, here's how you know it's, that this is going pretty well. Right. What's the media saying? Xi is manipulating Trump. Xi <laughs> is seducing Trump. Oh, Trump no. is not a good negotiator. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, no. Uh, the, the communists are, are taking over. Uh, Tony Blinken, the former Obama deputy national security advisor of the law firm Winken, Blinken, and Nod. Oh, no. Uh, Blinken, he had, a, he had an op-ed <laughs> in the New York Times. You're kidding. Where he basically, uh, in the New York Times, he had an, ed, an op-ed which said, Trump is ceding global leadership to China. Uh, uh, the, uh, Richard Blumenthal, the liberal Democratic senator from Connecticut, had a press conference the day Trump arrived in China saying Trump is colluding with China. And his example was the Chinese Industrial and Commercial Bank, which is their largest trading bank, has an office in Trump Tower. Right, And so he said, this is Trump getting benefits from the Chinese. In return, Trump dropped his insistence on a two-China policy for a one-China policy. Now, that's just a lie. Trump asked the question, is it right for us to have a one-China policy as opposed to a two-China policy? And then after looking at it for a couple of days, he said, well, this is what we've done for the last 30 years, and it's right. Secondly, Blumenthal said that's why he dropped his line about China uh, using currency manipulation. The reason Trump dropped that is because it's not true. China no longer is involved in currency manipulation. They're trying to make sure the yuan is strong so that it can be part of a gold-backed... Yeah, they, they were doing it in the past, but it's not, it's, it's not current, is what you're saying. The currency yeah, was going to be manipulated in the past, but now she's there. And they realized the yuan is back with the IMF. They've given a special drawing right just last month. Uh, so they're trying to clean up their act. They also need to stop industrial espionage, uh, cyber hacking. And uh, they need to start collaborating. In fact, if we bring over their high-speed rail engineers, <coughs> we bring our technical people, a lot of them actually go to school here in America. So why don't we just collaborate rather than trying to think we're going to be at loggerheads and they realize, we have to realize there's a multipolar world. It's not a unipolar world where America dominates the whole planet. It's ridiculous. Well, and what Trump understands is that the Chinese know that they're not going to continue to get huge amounts of dollars without buying some goods from the United States. Right. And one of the things that the Chinese are discussing is taking some of their treasury holdings and their dollars and right. putting it into a national bank for infrastructure in the United States if we were to set that up, that's something Trump is thinking about. What's yeah, holding no, no, no. it back? The Republicans say that you can't do that because infrastructure is a waste of money unless you get an immediate return. In other words, private infrastructure. And that's never going to fly because it doesn't work. So Trump went over there with a, with a couple of ideas. 
he and G had long discussions. I think the most important thing, and again, this wasn't reported on too much in the U.S. press, but the first night they were there, Mr. Uh, President Xi and his wife took Trump and Melania to the Forbidden City. They right. saw the artisan uh, sector of the where they're rebuilding old artifacts. Then they saw three Chinese parts of three Chinese operas, and then Trump pulled out his uh, cell phone and showed Xi his granddaughter singing songs in Mandarin, singing and acting songs in Mandarin. Right. And this is exactly what Mrs. LaRouche has been saying for the longest time. Let's have a dialogue of cultures. Each nation has its own history and its own development. Right. Its own periods of what you might call a golden age of real culture. Right. And that is a, a, a benefit for all mankind to become familiar with the cultures of other nations. Yeah. And the fact that Trump, who's ridiculed in this country as a buffoon, right. is willing to participate in that kind of event just shows you how horribly biased all the media coverage Well, they're, cl- they're clinically insane because they don't describe the real man. I, the way the analogy I like to use, and I use, like to use metaphors because I sometimes talk too fast to get technical, I would call it the hand of, of nations. The thumb right now is the United States, but China, with its large industry and large technical ed- people and engineers, is the index finger. It's pointing to a future for the world. Talking about fusion energy and Belt and Road and all those other things. So the thumb is America. And we have to realize it takes a whole hand, all these nations, not just five fingers, but all these nations. That's why I like this message to all the Asian nations, including now, who's now the strongest ally in Asia now is Vietnam. China is, I think, going to become a really strong ally if we can get we call reciprocal trade. If that $800 billion in trade can be wiped out and they buy our agricultural products, open up to businesses, there's lots of businesses want to invest in China. Well, that's Bill, and, and, and that's starting, and, and there are two problems with that. One is, as Trump said, this is not China's fault. This is the previous administration's fault. Exactly. With our trade agreements, we shut down our, our innovative industry and became reliant on Hollywood products and things of that sort for money. And that's a, a limited market. Uh, now, secondly, the other thing is that the Chinese are not don't really need what America says we do best, which is services. There are some areas where that can help, but the Chinese have made remarkable strides because their whole country is wired at the at high speed right now in terms of the internet. I'll tell you so, when we come back. I'll tell you the three areas I think we have that everybody else on Earth needs, and it's not Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it's not Hollywood. It's not services. So we come back. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw them out and see what you think of these ideas. Because I'm sure Linda would have a comment on them, and you will. We'll be back in a moment with the Nutramedical Report, Harry Schlanger, every second hour of Friday. Back in a moment. Shoppers of Truth, uh, Carly, uh, we've got a couple things, both good and some bad things going on. The thing happening in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East between um, Saudi Arabia and, Le- and Lebanon is concerning. We have the Asia tour. I'd like you to cover the Asia tour stuff first and the other things, 
and then you're spinning what's going on in terms of uh, issues between Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Lebanon. Yeah, let's let's just complete the picture on uh, uh, Asia because, uh, as I mentioned, Trump gave a speech today, which, from what I was told, was pretty well received. Uh, by the Asian leaders and it wasn't because he said to them do your own thing he said that the United States is not going to be bound by the kind of broad uh, international agreements that have characterized the recent period of the World Trade Organization meaning things such as NAFTA the Trans-Pacific Partnership the European version of that and so on by the way that excluded China which I want you to expand on that. They excluded China, which was insane. Please continue. Well, Obama, Obama was a complete lunatic on this. Uh, Obama was the one driving the anti-Russia sentiment, and Obama was also against the, the Chinese role. The Chinese offered to be a part of a trade agreement with the United States, and Obama said, no, uh, we want to write the rules. And the Chinese said, well, go ahead, write your own rules, but we're not going to be a part of that. And they set up the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. They set up the new development bank as part of the BRICS. And they're using their industrial and commerce banks, their state banks, for massive uh, credit allocation, not for speculation, not for the kind of swindles that the U.S. Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank have been pouring money into the too-big-to-fail banks for them to, to buy and sell worthless financial paper. No, the Chinese have been creating credit that they've invested in real economy. Now, some of these may not turn out to be profitable investments. You always take that risk. But by building partnerships with countries, for example, with Malaysia, they offered to build a rail connecting the southern tip of the country with the northern tip. And Malaysia, as you probably know, has some islands, it's a peninsula, it's got areas that are difficult to navigate. But the idea of connecting it by train was was quite an interesting one. But the Malaysians, being very clever, and, and there's a lot of Chinese who live in Malaysia, said, how do we know this isn't just a Chinese ruse to take over our country? So they said, what are you going to do to assure us that you're not just coming in to loot us? And the Chinese said, well, how about this? As we build the rail, we'll have Malaysians be the, the major part of the workforce, but we'll also build in Malaysia a, a rail, uh, an engine company to produce the high-speed rail engines wow. that will be part owned by the Malaysian government and funded by the uh, Chinese investment or the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Right. So the Malaysians were blown away, and they said, please, come on in. Now, that means there are going to be Malaysian young people who are going to learn engineering at the front end of rail technology, which has applications in other areas, because it includes artificial intelligence, it includes various kinds of signals, GPS programs, satellite work, and so on. And the Chinese also invited the Malaysians to have two people become part of the Chinese astronaut program. So this is the kind of thing we used to do in the United States. Well, now, Trump looked at this, and Trump said, this is pretty impressive. And we don't know yet exactly how much of a chance he had to see the rail system. We know Melania is going to take a high-speed train to go to the Great Wall 
Uh, she's staying in China while Trump went on to Vietnam. Now, in Vietnam, what Trump did was he laid out a perspective uh, for mutual uh, beneficial trade. And the, the one problem with the Vietnam trip was that it had been rumored and then confirmed that there would be a meeting between Trump and Putin in Vietnam on the sidelines. And at the last minute, the U.S. said there was a scheduling problem. Now, I've been told the scheduling problem came from some not-so-good networks inside the Trump administration who basically said, given that Mueller is starting to hand down indictments on Russiagate, now is not a good time to be seen with Putin. Yeah, the, the optics were bad, now, right? Now, that's just a bunch of nonsense. The, the world was kind of astonished that at the G20 summit in Hamburg, when there was all this attack on Russia and the United States, that Trump not only met with Putin for over two hours, but they sat down next to each other at dinner and talked. So I wonder why he was advising him to do that, because to be honest, I agree with you. I think the optics don't matter. I think that it's time for us to start uh, working with Russia so that we can de-escalate the advance of, of placement of missiles in Kaliningrad. The nervousness of the, Ru of the Russians last October 2016, how, and in May when they did their own simulation of a quarter of their entire population, 40 million people, of a quote, preemptive attack against Russia, they're nervous, and they're justifiably nervous because you've got all these sanctions against them, that's hurting their business. The biggest, most expensive city in the world to live is Moscow. It's no wonder they're nervous, isn't it? Well, and the other part of this is that Trump was willing at Hamburg back in July to, to meet with Putin. Right. So I, I think that there may be something else involved. My suspicion is that this may have to do with Henry Kissinger's influence because Kissinger's policy has always been to play off Russia yeah, he, and China. He's one of the so, PNAC authors, isn't he? Probably for a new American century. Well, he's, he's, he's sort of the, uh, a senior... The granddaddy. He was not part of, of PNAC. No, but he's the granddaddy. He set the framework for it, though, didn't he? Yeah, and, and his whole thing is realpolitik, balance of power, which goes back to Metternich in the 19th, early 19th century. But what it means is that if you get some concessions from Xi or some deals with Xi... Keep Putin twisting in the wind a little bit so he makes more beneficial yeah. I, offers. I, I heard an alternative view, and I want to get your opinion on this. One of them was they thought if there's a meeting with Putin, Putin's really pushing to see if he can get America to pull out of Syria because a, even the appearance of him kind of shaking hands with Putin would, would downgrade the, uh, the courage of the Kurds that uh, we're going to allow the Russians to, to bomb and kill the Kurds, which are our allies. And if we pull out of there, he's going to expand his air base and his naval base in Syria and further scare the heck out of the Israelis and the Saudis because we had this missile that was shot uh, at Riyadh from Yemen by the Iranians. And we know that there's now that they've ex basically asked their citizens to come back from Lebanon to Kuwait and Saudi Arabia, there's some nasty things possibly cooking here, isn't there? Well, let me, let me tell you about that because it's not even clear that was an Iranian missile. Uh, and well, it's not that, even that's, clear that's what they say. That's what, they, that's what the media is saying. That's what they're, they're saying. saying it's a, they're saying it's an Iranian missile given to the, the Yemeni uh, people, basically. Yeah. Now, here's the point. The whole Iran-Yemen thing is a hoax. The Houthis are a different branch of Shia. There has been some support from Iran for the, the Yemenis. But the right. Yemeni ri uprising against their previous government was because their previous government was a dictatorship. That right. was imposing poverty on the vast majority of the citizens to the benefit of the Saudis. 
And so the Houthis represented the northern tribes that overthrew the pro-Saudi government. So, so there's no real reason to connect them with the Iranians. That, it's not uh, a proxy war, no. I know, yeah. In other words, it's not a connected thing. So why are they withdrawing their citizens from Lebanon to well, Kuwait we'll, and Saudi we'll Arabia? that up after the break. Yeah, we need to hear that because this is complicated. history lesson on some of the different agreements going back a hundred years. Pull the ones that are most easily understandable by the general public out there and how these are all connected because I'm a little confused as to why Kuwait and Saudi Arabia are pulling back their citizens from Lebanon. They're trying to literally say that Hezbollah is like a nation within the nation of Lebanon. They're somehow a proxy of Iran. And this looks very dangerous to me. This looks like trying to set up uh, Hezbollah and the Russian military base in the air base in Syria, which they're collaborating to try to get rid of ISIS, which, by the way, we've been playing games on that. We've actually got Russian video showing us literally taking ISIS and al-Qaeda leaders out of collapsing cities and towns where we've won. And uh, there's a very dirty game going on here. So can you detail, give some details, explain what this crazy, messy system is going on? Let me start with the big picture from 100 years ago, 120 years ago. And I'll be brief on that because people can go investigate this on their own. But 100 years ago last week was the signing of the Balfour Declaration. The British Foreign Minister, Lord Balfour, promised Lord Rothschild that they would establish a Jewish homeland in the Middle East. Now, at the time, there were 40,000, maybe 50,000 Jews living in Palestine. There were 600,000 Palestinian Muslims and Christians. And the idea that you would allow the British, with money from the Rothschild banking network, to relocate Jews to that area made no sense. And it made sense only in the following way. The British knew that the Ottoman Empire was collapsing the Turkish Empire. They were right. afraid during World War I that the Russians would move into the vacuum. So they set in motion a whole series of operations, including Lawrence of Arabia, working with the Hashemites from the Western Arabian Peninsula, and then another branch of British intelligence chose the Saud family, and ultimately that was what the British chose, to let the Saud family become the ruling force on the Arabian Peninsula, hence it's called Saudi Arabia. Now, at the same time, they carved up the whole Middle East, including Palestine, which became Israel. Uh, Lebanon and Syria were under French jurisdiction. Uh, Iran had been partitioned as Persia in the 1907 agreement with Russia, where the Russians were given the northern part. The British took the southern part, which had a lot of the oil and connection to the Persian Gulf. And that's where all these problems started. Now, what was the British strategy? What they feared was that what we call the Middle East today in the United States would become a transshipment center for traffic from North Africa, Asia, the the so-called Middle East, into the Balkans, into Russia, that this would be a, a major nexus point for trade. And this would undercut by land routes the British control 
of the seas using the Suez Canal, uh, the Port of Aden, the Horn of Africa, India, and so on. So you're basically saying it's a railway connection they they didn't like because it challenged their mastery of the seas. Please continue. Exactly, exactly. Now, we've seen a, a mess in the Middle East from that period to the present. But what has changed in the last year is that when the Saudis launched an operation in Syria to overthrow Assad, uh, they, the Saudis, with support from British and American intelligence, created al-Qaeda. Uh, Al-Qaeda was ri- originally created in uh, Afghanistan, but they deployed al-Qaeda into Iraq, into Syria, to overthrow Assad. Now, the Russians had a vested interest in keeping Assad in, in part because the Russians felt they blew it at the United Nations when they didn't oppose the the resolution that allowed for the destruction of Libya. So the Russians said, we're not going to allow Syria to be carved up. The idea of regime change is not acceptable. And they went in and they backed it up, helped restore the Syrian army, and the Syrians crushed al-Qaeda. The last stronghold of al-Qaeda and ISIS was overrun this week. And in Iraq, the same thing happened. So the Saudi operations in these countries were, were shattered. Now, why were the Saudis doing it? The Saudis' view is the same old British view, that it's Sunnis from the southern part of Arabia versus the Persians and the Shia in the north. And this has there's oil involvement in this, of course. Uh, there's trade routes. There's all sorts of things, the control of the Persian Gulf and so on. But the Saudis essentially, whatever they think they're doing, they're being deployed by the British. Now, so are the Israelis. Because the, the Israelis, why are the Israelis so gung-ho to, to do something against Iran? Netanyahu only will survive to the extent that he can keep the Israeli population terrified that they're going to get nuked by Iran. Yeah. So you have Israeli incentives, yeah. Saudi incentives... You have the Zionist lobby in the United States, which has an enormous amount of control in the Congress. And what's the real game here? It's Russia. They're targeting Russia for the same yeah, exactly. reason the British targeted Russia. Well, that's why they even tried to get the Jews to leave Tehran, I think, in the last decade. And the Jewish people are well-established there and well-tolerated say, Are you crazy? This is our homeland. This is where we live. This is where we've been exactly. for thousands of years. We're not leaving now, Tehran. Okay, People let, don't go get let, this, do they? Well, let me connect this now to what's happening. Uh, With the defeat of the Saudi proxies in Syria, the Saudis told Hariri, who's the prime minister of Lebanon, he had to come to Saudi Arabia for consultation. Then they basically put him under house arrest. They put him on television announcing his resignation. They may have convinced him there was a a plot to assassinate him, or maybe, maybe they found a plot to assassinate him. His father, who was a previous prime minister, had been assassinated. But they said it's Hezbollah that's out to get him. And Hezbollah is a so-called state within a state. Well, the fact is that Hezbollah is part of the government. The president of Lebanon is a Christian named General Michael Michel Aoun. Aoun and Hariri, who's a Sunni Muslim, work closely together. And they work together with Nasrallah, the head of Hezbollah, which is a Shia organization in southern Lebanon, which became popular because they protected southern Lebanon from the Israelis, from the Israeli attacks. So Hezbollah became a strong military force, 
in Lebanon with some support from Iran and then they became very close to Iran but they were part of the government and the Lebanese Christians and even the people in Hariri's party in Lebanon are saying there's no crisis here we're working well together the Saudis are creating a crisis so, so they're trying to create a crisis and there, there's no evidence of it now why are they withdrawing their citizens well, to, is, are they withdrawing because they're trying to do some kind of preemptive strike with America no, or somebody else well no well, that's the heightened, that heightens the sense of crisis if you say all Saudi citizens leave now what's the other thing Israeli Channel 10 uh, ran a leaked memo from the Israeli Foreign Ministry to all Israeli diplomatic missions. So someone in the Foreign Ministry leaked this to the television station, right. which said that all Israeli diplomatic missions should be supporting the Saudi demands against Hezbollah and warning that uh, Hezbollah represents a danger to Israel and to Saudi Arabia. Now, at the same time, a top official from Theresa May's government was forced to resign yesterday because she supposedly went on holiday to Israel and in the four days she was there she had a dozen meetings including with Netanyahu and she went to the hospital in the Golan Heights where the Israelis had been treating Al-Qaeda uh, wounded Al-Qaeda soldiers from Syria right, right. so the, the British were trying to work some kind of deal with Israel and the Saudis now, interestingly, French President Macron went to Saudi Arabia today and demanded that Hariri be released from house arrest. Right, Hariri, uh, who is actually the, the former Lebanese uh, prime minister, right? Well, Aoun said he's not accepting the resignation until he can talk to Hariri in person. You're so kidding. he's actually still the prime minister of Lebanon. Right. Well, because Aoun thinks that he's being threatened and... and uh, he just his his own party, his aunt Hariri's aunt, and his political party went on Lebanese television, saying, "Please come home. We can work this out." Wow! And the Saudis are trying to keep him in house arrest. Yes, and the Americans know nothing about this story because it's not published in the United States. Isn't that amazing? Bizarre. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here with this new Prince Albin. Fully cooked, ready to eat bacon. I'm So, Harley, um, the situation is, uh, you know, steer, they're trying to steer towards some kind of conflict, conflict with Hezbollah. I think this is a, a lose-lose situation, both for Israel and America and the Middle East. Trying to create a situation to bring out war and bloodshed, and uh, at what cost? You mentioned this. Can you give us further analysis of it? Because this is occurring at the same time the Asian tour looks very positive. I think Trump's going to get two things. He's going to get... Uh, Further collaboration by China to, to put the clamps on North Korea so we can neutralize them without going to war. And we're also going to get trade deals where we're going to start uh, fixing, and it's going to take time over several years at least, the reciprocal trade issues, including structural things we need to change in, train in terms of dirty jobs, training Americans so we can produce goods and services, which we haven't done for decades. So 
Well, we have the situation at the same time in the Middle East. They're trying to create this giant distraction. I'm thinking, is this a really positive thing to do at this time? I mean, really. Well, it's it's never positive to do something like this, but these things always seem to happen. Remember the last time Trump, and uh, or the first time Trump met with Xi Jinping in Mar-a-Lago back in April, we had the so-called Syrian chemical weapon attack and the U.S. droning and missile attack on a Syrian airbase. So if you just if you have a memory of these things, you realize these these things are uh, time bombs that, that can be set off at will. Now, what's what's the end game of this Saudi Israeli thing? Why would the Saudis and Israelis be collaborating? This Israeli Foreign Ministry document proves that the Israelis are supporting uh, Saudi operations in Lebanon. The fact that, the, that there's now uh, people who have visited the hospital in the Golan Heights where the Israelis are treating uh, wounded ISIS fighters and then sending them back into battle. These things right. are known, just as we know that the, the CIA, sections of the CIA are continuing to arm uh, right. terrorists even as they're fleeing the battlefield. Right. So, you know, we, we've got this uh, whole picture. Now, what, what does it mean? The British strategy is, is not necessarily to have uh, a big war, but to have lots of wars. Just as, you know, since 9-11, the United States has been at war. We have soldiers right. all over the world engaging in war. Right. Now, to what purpose? It's, it's bleeding our treasury. It's destroying our young people who are in the, the, the military, who you know, you have people who are on their fourth and fifth tours of duty because we don't have enough people enlisting, because we don't have a draft. Even it's, in the Air Force, yeah. And they also yeah. are in commercial airline because we get regular schedules and pay better pay. Um, I, I, I'll give you my scenario, and I want to hear your response to it. I think that the ultimate goal is to make America vulnerable, both economically, militarily, and trade-wise, so that we'll surrender to a global world government, whether it's a military surrender or economic surrender, rather than collaborating and building up other countries and building, rebuilding our economy and stronger nation-states around the world, the British, primarily behind the United Nations and the globalists, want to destabilize America so it's not really a nation anymore. It's basically a fabrication. And they don't want nation-states anywhere. They want to basically rule the world in ten trade zones, which is the Council on Foreign Relations. It's just an extension of the old British Empire, you know, the rule of the seas, and the sea now is they want to rule it through the United Nations and through their global organizations and their proxies in both the Democrat and Republican Party, the Saudis, the Israelis, everybody. They'll use anybody in order to get their ends, won't they? Well, this brings us to the, the final thing I wanted to talk about tonight, which is that what we're learning about Russiagate, that this was a joint Democratic National Committee, Clinton campaign, FBI, British intelligence creation. Exactly. It had nothing to do with the Russians meddling in the U.S. election on the Trump side. If anything, there were Russians, and I don't think it was Putin, but there were no. Russians who were doing things to help Hillary Clinton. The important thing here is that Mueller is continuing to threaten to, to lay waste to the whole administration. When his main weapon is, is bullying, it's threatening, they're now talking about uh, trying to get a plea agreement with Manafort's son-in-law. His son-in-law has divorced Manafort's daughter, uh, but they're trying to get him to say something that Manafort was involved in laundering money. 
when you start going after the family members, you remember when Trump said there's a line here that, that he's going to draw? Well, this is the old tactic of how you go after a mafia operation. But the guy who's running this under Mueller is this Andrew Weissman, who's had half a dozen of his cases that he did on white-collar crime in, in the, as a U.S. attorney in New York City have been overturned because of prosecutorial errors. So yeah. are we going to allow the, the President of the United States and his administration to be destroyed by these ruthless, bullying prosecutors who are acting on behalf of a joint operation run out of London, the Clinton campaign, and the FBI. Now, Donna Brazil, who I know quite well for her record in the Democratic Party, she's one of the old whores of the Democratic Party. Right. But she decided she was going to abandon Hillary and wrote her book, where she basically says Hillary Clinton did a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party, which was broke because of Obama's ego, which is what uh, Donna Brazil says in her book that, that Obama's hey, ego, hey, Hillary's but... ego, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz's ego stripped the party bare for their own benefit. Yeah, and stripped it financially as well as as far as trying to replace the star Obama with a new star that would take over the party. Well, and what they did is they set up a money laundering scheme where money from the state Democratic parties, which ordinarily flowed to the DNC and then back out, less than half a percent of the money raised, and I think it was something like $80 million in the state parties, less than half a percent went back to the state parties. The rest ended up in the DNC and the Clinton campaign. And wow. what in August 2015, that is a year before Hillary got the nomination, she signed this joint fundraising agreement which enabled her, by paying off $10 million of Obama's debt, she was given control over the fundraising, the messaging, the spokesman, the staffing of the Democratic National Committee. So Bernie was right. It was a takeover of the party. But why was he so anemic in his response? I mean, Bernie Sanders, as I call him, because he promises things he can't necessarily deliver. Why didn't he come out more stridently saying just what they did? Well, he if you really go back, you'll see that he was saying it around the edges, but he knew what he was up against, and he was he thought if he could win a majority of young people to his cause, he might have a shot at winning. And he, you know, he probably could have won had Hillary not used the superdelegates and the control of the party. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a Trump, Bernie, um, if you want to call it, election, and it may not have been as close as we thought. And Bernie might have gone to the Rust Belt states. It might have been a, a much more close election, or he might have even won. Oh, yeah. He might have won. But, you see, here's the point. Before there was any so-called hacking, the Clinton campaign hired Fusion GPS to do an investigation of the Russian connection with Trump, which had already been under investigation from the summer of 2015 by British intelligence. So British intelligence tipped off Comey, tipped off the Clinton campaign. They hired Fusion GPS to do an investigation, bringing in an ex-MI6 operative, Christopher Steele, who wrote a dossier which later Comey brought on January 6, 2017, to President-elect Trump and basically said, if you don't play ball with us, we're going to use this dossier to blackmail you. The old J. Edgar Hoover sexual yeah, that's pretty, blackmail Yeah, pretty, pretty dirty stuff, yeah. What's yeah. amazing to me is all blowing up in their face. 
Trump's in Asia. The three things that we have that other countries don't have that I mentioned are medtech, our advanced medicine is way better, more advanced than anybody else on the planet. Our anti-aging technology is part of that. Our infotech, which means we're going to be the ones to invent artificial intelligence. And the third is genotech. These are the things in the future that America has that need to be cross-purposed and amplified by the Asian countries like Vietnam, South Korea, Japan, and China especially. And that amplification will be good for all, all the human race. So I honestly think that what Trump's doing is opening up a world that's a multipolar world where it's not a projection of the Chinese empire through the Belt and Road. It's more of a collaborative world where you can have a multi-part world where not one nation or one group of bankers runs the whole planet, which is what they were trying to do, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So let's hope that the Saudi Arabian thing and this uh, recent thing with Hezbollah doesn't blow up. I'm hoping that when Trump comes back, he'll have deals. Maybe down the road they can have a meeting with, with Putin when it's not bad optics. But they need to start de-escalating this, don't they? And to be honest with you, modernizing Russia with trade and industry, making deals that are reciprocal so we can get our better trade balance with Asian countries, this is Trump's agenda. If they get the tax relief in and they make it a little bit better because it's pretty noxious for the upper middle class, um, I'll, I'll push for it. But I tell you, America is gonna, has a little bit of work yet to do, don't they? Google has all your whole family will love. Nutramedical's life support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's life support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life support is the best complete nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink. Try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family.